0: Science & Wisdom Live is a project of Jamyang London Buddhist Centre, a non-profit organisation. Please consider supporting us with a donation to help us keep our podcasts and videos free and ad-free. To support us now, please visit our website at scienceandwisdomlive.com. episode is an excerpt of one of our science and wisdom dialogues. To listen to the full recording, please follow the link in the podcast description.
1: With this urgency and gravity of the climate and ecological crisis today, what are your impressions about COP26 and, and meetings like it? Um, are, are its outcomes going to influence your work in promoting positive change and a more sustainable future? And I think especially, do you feel at all optimistic about the future? So maybe you'll start with uh, Vandana talking a little bit about that.
2: Now, you know, I have always connected the earth and climate change. For me, the earth is living. I've always connected biodiversity and the biosphere to the earth's self-regulating capacity for giving us the climate in which our species has survived. And I see climate change as the pollution and disruption and the metabolic disorder that's disrupted that system. That's why I wrote Soil, Not Oil. yeah, My book, I wrote this for the leader to Copenhagen, 2009. And, And I could make out that the way we produce our food and ship it around and process it and destroy the Amazon for GM soya and destroy the... Indonesian rainforest for palm oil. You know, we are contributing to about 45 to 50% of the emissions to create bad food that's making everyone sick. In This lovely new phrase of net zero, which says, we'll keep polluting, but now we find offsets in your forests and your agriculture. So we call this carbon colonization. And this is what the countries, like-minded countries of the poor world, said, this is carbon colonization. So am I more hopeful? Well, you know, I'm so used to hijacks now. I mean, I've done this work for half a century <laughs> and I don't get surprised. And it, it all it does is just deepen your commitment to stand with Gaia, to take guidance from her and continue to grow and uh, And, you know, the the fact that the situation is worse in terms of climate havoc and it is worse in terms of the polluters playing new tricks on the people, it just means we have to do the more truthful work with deeper commitments. So I'm more optimistic than ever before.
1: (laughs) Stefan, how would you like to talk about this question of COP26 and optimism?
3: In one sense, I'm pessimistic because to have to have a change psychological change of such a magnitude both personally and and throughout society you without know, humanity in such a short period of time is quite a challenge but on the other hand you know um it, all it takes is to step into a forest for a few minutes and just listen to the bird song if you can just manage to do that or just look at the shape of a tree or look at the way the vines move up the trunk of a tree or the way clouds move across the sky. Anyone can feel that in an instant. So that gives me hope. But how can we encourage people to to feel these deep ecological experiences and have them and be nurtured by them on a massive scale? I think that's part of the challenge that I've been working on for a long time.
0: It really does seem to come back to this larger question about the relationship humanity as a whole has with the earth and i think it's pretty pretty clear to everyone listening to this that we have a significant problem i mean i think it's quite ironic that just when we have achieved a truly global civilization that civilization seems to be self-destructing and you know we really have to ask why and try to get at the roots of that rather than just sort of Addressing the most extreme symptoms, which really are just symptoms of a much deeper and, and a much greater problem.
1: How do we get there? How do we get to a more sustainable way of, of having a civiliz- human civilization on our planet? Maybe Vandana could start again. Yes.
2: The place where we can create conditions of knowing what to do is what knowing what action we should take. That's dharma. Mm. Knowing our relationships, doing the right thing. And again, doing the right thing, but not knowing what the outcome will be. Therefore, the Gita detachment, do not. Do the right action, engage in Dharma, but be detached to what comes out of it. And that combination of deep commitment to compassion and reverence and love to the earth, and a deep detachment from the fruits of the action is the way it talks about here, Uh, that is what spirituality is about. So science teaches us that. Spirituality teaches us that, and both are converging. But science has to be rescued from its instrumental reductionism, to mechanistic science, linear prediction, determinism, you know, mastery, engineering, all of those. You know, five hundred years. Of uh, intellectual baggage that has really imprisoned our minds. That seems to be, to me, the problem. And um, and that, you you know I mean all of spiritual traditions are about how you can cultivate the mind to look differently at the world and live differently in the world.
3: But can we live without destroying Gaia? Yes, of course we can. But we we have a, a my friend Arnie Ness who coined the term deep ecology. He had this nice phrase which was Gaia gift. So you know we have to eat we have to we have to we agriculture if we have agric- gone agriculture we have to cut down some some native vegetation and forest perhaps to grow for fields you know so Gaia gives us a gift she says look you know i love you humans you're one of my finest inventions you're amazing you can look back on me and you can worship me in a very special way which I, uh, which other beings can't do so i, I you know, please have some land and grow some food in a in the way sort of vandanas have been describing but you mustn't overstep the limits. That's the thing. You must. If you step, overstep the limits, then things get very. Un, I'm, I'm afraid I get very unpleasant. You know, and, and <laughs> we get climate change. We get all this, all these problems we're facing now. So you better learn how how to find where those limits are. So yes, we have a Gaia gift. We can do that. Are we intrinsically harmful to Gaia? No. Human yeah. beings are intrinsic lovers of Gaia. I'm completely convinced of that. Just like we breathe the air and we eat food, uh, you know, and we we have our biological functions, so if, as fundamental as that, as that to every human is the fact that we love Gaia. We, we she is our mother, and if we only learn to see the beauty of the sky, the song of the birds, the shape of a tree, as the expression of, of this miraculous planetary being, our mother, then and of course um, we can live well with Gaia. Western culture, on the other hand, like Vandaer said, of course, we went way, way off too far into the mechanistic worldview, which is a it's a useful tool, but it's a you can see what how dangerous it is if we let it take over. Um, well, I think there's, that's what I wanted to say really that um I think Vandaer's point about uncertainty is very, very deep and it goes to the very core of the problem with Western science, I agree that we cannot, we, we in science, we can't allow the uncertainty because that means that nature has an agency, that it has a purpose, that it has a soul, that it has a mind, it has a will, which is bigger than our own. And we know from science that nature has no mind. Nature is just one vast, great dead machine. And that's a, that's a fundamental mistake of Western culture, which we have to correct very quickly.
0: I've always been very impressed by uh, what, uh, uh, Karl Polanyi talked about in the in the great transformation about how there was this really big change that happened that made the modern world as we know it possible, where. um, The land, you know, the earth was understood simply as land uh, people were reduced to Labor money to capital to be invested and all of them simply become means to be exploited in the service of greater profit and. In in so if you combine that basic mindset of 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 capitalism and built into that is the idea that you you know you always want more, you want more profit, you want more market share, you want more. It's like it's it fits my definition of greed because as Aristotle pointed out, there's no natural endpoint and simply more, more, more. So if you combine that with capitalism, and for that matter, combine it with population right combine it with the problem I mean if you if you have death control which is to say modern medicine at a certain point you've really got to grip get a grip on birth control or our species just kind of takes over in in all of these cases it seems to me this is what has become unique about our civilization and these are the ways in which we seem unable to live within limits yeah leave it at that
1: each, in addition to being educators and scientists, each of you has a deep connection to your own spiritual tradition. And, and you, that's, that's, of course, why you were invited to this dialogue to talk about that bridge. Um, in each of your work, you talk about this unity, this, some essential unity that underlies all life, how everything is interdependent, um, a message that's at the core of all the major spiritual traditions. So I wonder if you could address that directly, that how spirituality, whatever that means... Um, can help us to heal the perceived divisions between us and nature and help us address these crises.
2: My, my original interconnectedness understanding came from quantum theory. But all of my you know, remaining time, I it's really ecological studies, understanding, observation, doing. I mean, if you aren't working with the soil, you can't know that the soil is living. Yeah, if, I have saved seeds all these years. And the power of the seed is a teacher on a daily basis. So I think we've got to overcome this, uh, the false separation between science and spirituality that mechanistic science and the dead earth assumption has created for us. And all spiritual traditions basically teach us that we are here because of the living earth, we have to take care of her. And, you know, because Christianity is the ground where the greed economy grew. Christianity itself was genetically engineered to fit into greed. And I see the religious wars in Germany as part of that. I see that first papal bull making in knowing with the living earth, witchcraft, you know, 9 million people were killed in Europe. Yeah, the three things we don't connect is colonialism, the enclosures of the commons and the burning of witches. It was part of one phenomena of constructing a whole new system. And again, the the narrative makes us believe that there was the rule of Christianity and in a way reductionist mechanistic science liberated us from that. No, every player in the mechanistic science was the new religious player who was also a colonizing actor, Reed Boyle, who represented the New England church, yeah, uh, also the Boyle's law. But he said, the idea that the, uh, the earth is sacred is an impediment to our ma- empire over uh, lesser creatures. And that included indigenous people. And of course, all of our family and all of our relatives. Uh, and it gave rise to this illusion of control. It gave rise to the illusion of mastery. And I think we have to kind of just like we have to repair the broken idea, you know, the idea we are separate from nature, we have to also repair the brokenness between science and spirituality and show that deep ecology leads to a science that is deeply spiritual.
3: We should all have Gaia places. These are places where we can cultivate our spirituality of Gaia. And for example, I've got one very close to where I'm sitting now by a stream. It doesn't take me long to get there. And I go there, I try to go there every day and I take a little stool to sit on and some water to drink. And I just go and sit this incredible place in the, a little bit of ancient forest that we have here. And I spend half an hour, an hour, and I, I quieten my mind. I just look at the beauty of this amazing place with, you know, whatever's growing in front. There's some there's some big t- tree trunks and there's some ivy growing. and the, there's a stream, and I notice my mind calming, and an opening happens in my Gaia place, and I receive sort of messages, you know, sort of, I mean, it sounds corny to say it, but the earth begins to teach us. It's a mysterious presence, it's hard to say what it is, but it's an intelligence, it's a comfort, It's it's a healer, she's a healer. And I think that that spirituality is very down to earth. Very connecting with the earth, very connecting. And as Vandana says, a science, a, a, a science comes out of this—a new kind of science, in which the 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 basic motivation is not control but love, or uh, participation. As our dear friend Brian Goodwin used to say, you know, participation. We want to participate with Gaia and move back within the boundaries that we know from the science. And that's if we won't do that without spirituality, we have to have spirituality. Everyone needs to feel this in some way very quickly. Everywhere in the world, everyone needs to have this, this very humble Guyan experience of the earth being alive
0: somehow. I was reminded of, you know, what the Buddha did when he left on his spiritual quest, right? I mean, he had been living in these supposedly three different palaces, but uh, he went off into the natural world by himself. And he found, and, and you know, he, he practiced with a couple of teachers and he meditated, but he basically found what he was looking for in the natural world. And it's really important to remember that and it's not just the buddha i mean i'm struck what did jesus do after his baptism he went off into the desert into the natural world where he fasted and prayed for 40 days and 40 nights clearly something really powerful happened to him there or moses his burning bush on top of a mountain by himself or muhammad in his cave In all of these cases Uh, And, you know, we can talk about more, but it seems to me, they they found truly something extraordinary transformative and what in whatever transformation happened to them, it was something that then they were able to bring back into society and 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 create some new vision, some new path that people found so very valuable. We're different, we have different abilities, we're in different places. And, and what I find myself recommending more and more often is like a three part meditation, where I encourage and I encourage people to do this quite slowly, maybe over weeks to ask people them for people to ask themselves, you know, number one, what do I have to offer in particular, are there distinctive skills, abilities, etc. you know, taking account of my total situation in terms of, you know, do I need money? Am I retired? How healthy am I? What are my networks? And so forth. That's the first question. The second question is, what are the really good options for my energy in terms of where I am? You know, uh, obviously there's so many things that need to be done. There's no point trying to do everything. Uh, that'll just wear, you know spread ourselves too thin. But sort of, and this may require a little bit of research, but what are the really good opportunities? And the third final part, which in a way, maybe is the most important, having digested those first two, uh, letting them go and sort of meditating and really kind of going getting in touch with your own heart and asking, you know, where does my love where does my awareness where where does my energy want to go and this is something that takes us beyond ego beyond our usual you know it's not just calculative thinking but it's really opening up what tugs at my heart what what really pulls me where can I make a difference and and the reason I emphasize that I think is we're all so different uh, I don't know that I can answer those questions for anybody else but it might be a good way for each of us to find the way forward
3: all life has intrinsic value irrespective of its usefulness to humans Um, everything has intrinsic everything matters because it exists I mean, it's a very deep statement and then it goes on and the last one is it's something like we humans have have no right to destroy nature other than to satisfy our vital needs and we need different politics different science different technology if we agree with all these things we have to contribute to making the changes (coughs) that's the trunk and then the branches are You know, what options do I have? Just as you were saying, David, the branches of the tree. What what options do I have in my life as a parent, in my life as a scientist, in my life as a teacher? And then when you come to uh, the tip of a branch or a flower, you make a fruit and the fruit is the actual action. That's when you've done something and then it falls to the ground and it rots and it fertilizes the deep experience, the soil of deep experience for everyone, including more than human beings, other than human beings. So, you know, the image of a tree is very nice. It's a very archetypal image. And one can ask oneself, okay, where do I, where where, where right now is my deep experience um, in the soil of, of Gaia, the deep experience of Gaia? And do I agree with these, these eight points? Well, of course I do. Of course life has intrinsic value. And of course we can't destroy so much. Of course we have to have a different culture. How can I contribute? And I think the image of the tree can help this process you were talking about, David, too come to the fore because it comes from the depths of the unconscious, you know, the, the tree, the alchemical tree, the archetypal tree, um, the tree of life. It's a very powerful image which can help us in, in our deep questioning to discover what we can do, what we can contribute in this crisis.
2: People talk about climate denialism, but the real denialism is of Gaia, herself, mm-hmm. And that's the sickness. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And that's what's making the planet sick. That's what's making us sick and, and the Earth's health. The, the metabolic diseases show up as climate change and toxics all over. And our metabolic diseases show up as the chronic diseases. And the two have deep connection because we are of the earth, yeah? As Stefan so clearly said. You know, This idea of not only are we separate, but we are superior. But there are technologies in nature. Indigenous cultures have had technology. The fact that their tools were not heavy was not their primitiveness was the sophisticatedness of oneness with the earth and therefore causing no harm to any strand of life. So we just have to widen our horizon and cultivate a diversity of the mind and through it a diversity of life and through it celebrate the multiple pathways that are available to us. And instead of despairing that there's uncertainty, celebrate it.